Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and Happy New Year, everybody. Hey, we made it. It is January, and uh, you're back. I'm back to Happy Hour Radio right here on 570 KVI. Thanks for spending your Saturday nights with me and uh, all our great guests. You want to learn more about the world of wine, beer, cider, spirits, food, events, and education from all around the world, you got the right place. And if you want to sort of catch up to us, um, this is coming up in our third year, check out our website, happyhourradio.net. You can uh, listen to about 140 shows, check out some of our guests, some bios, etc., and uh, shoot me an email if you got some ideas. If you'd like to learn something from somebody and always wondered, um, gosh, we can probably pull it together. And then the new year resolutions include learning more about wine and actually trying to uh, plan some wine trips, I've got the perfect guest today and uh, the perfect information source. Uh, it's a website called Kazit, K-A-Z-Z-I-T dot com. And I've got uh, Babak Matambadi, who is the founder. And, and this is really a one shop or a one stop shop for finding wineries, finding uh experiences, wine bars, wine classes, dinners, festivals. It, and there's nothing like this that exists, and I'm really pleased to welcome, hey, Babak Matavity, welcome to Happy Hour. Thanks, Chris. It's a pleasure uh, joining you tonight. Thanks, and um, a Happy New Year to you. <laughs> and you as well. I hope you had a great holiday season. Oh, yes, and uh, I'm ready to hit the gym, but uh, while I'm uh, um, thinking about that, this Kazit idea, this is an interesting name, K-A-Z-Z-I-T. You're the founder. How, how did you come up with this name, Kazit? So my co-founder is Peter Kaspersky. He's a, a great longtime friend, and he owns a couple iconic establishments here in Scottsdale, Arizona. One of them is Cowboy Chow. It's a 20-year-old iconic restaurant. And uh, the uh, second location is a world wine bar he has named Kazmira. Peter has one of the largest wine collections in the country with 30,000 bottles and all closing in on 4,000 labels. And we met and became friends at Kaz Bar, Kaz Mirez. So he came up with a name to pay tribute to where our friendship began. Wow. So, Kaspersky, he doesn't have like that uh, software system, does he? No, no, no. That's a different one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured maybe, he... Maybe a cousin or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I figured he might have made some money there because I know it's costing me some dough to keep my computer safe. Well, um, was that your first venture into wine in Arizona, of all places? It was, actually, yeah. And it is odd that it's in Arizona, but that was our first time... It's our first time doing uh, anything wine-related as a business, and uh, we've been really, really fortunate how well it's gone and how we've been received by the community. And when uh, this this idea to incubate, what year are we talking about? So we had the idea, excuse me, in early 2014. So we're coming on almost three years old. And the first year in 2014, we focused really on just building a site with architecture and functionality that would be user-friendly. And we pride ourselves on trying to deliver the, the best user experience possible. Because if I have all the content and all the wineries in the world, but you can't sort through them, it's no good, Right. So we spent the first year focusing on a really amazing UX user experience and then uh, phased in 2015, phased into curating and bringing all the wineries to be the most comprehensive resource in the world, which we are now. 
Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm being a member of the Court of Master Sommiers and the Guild Psalm, we, we tend to look there for, for lots of our news and information. But I'm looking at the website, the homepage. You've got wineries in New Jersey, Uruguay, Paso Robles, Italy, Walla Walla, and Heldsburg. Um, you've, how many locations have you covered here on Kazit.com? We're actually in, uh, we have wineries in all 50 states. Believe it or not, they make wine in Alaska as well. They bring in the berries, <laughs> but they make it up there. And we are in 18 different countries now. Wow. And uh, I'm looking at this. Is it free? To, I see a login. Is this free to join or free to use? What is, how do you get involved? It is 100% free for consumers. Uh, you have to create a profile if you want to contact the winery or make a reservation, but all the functionality is free. You can create your profile with your favorites, so you can... Always go back to the wineries you love. You know, maybe you went someplace with your wife or your uh, significant other five years ago, and you go, oh, "What was the name of that place?" And you know, the New Jersey. You can come back to Kazit, find it, bookmark it, and never forget again. Interesting. So you actually plan your own itinerary. You can plan travel and visits here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, in 2017, we're going to be launching a trip planning tool. So right now, you can create your own favorites and bookmark them. But in 2017, we're launching a Map My Tour. Uh, software, which is again is free to consumers. So you can go on, let's say you're going to Portland, Oregon, where I'm from. And you can search for the wineries you want to visit based on varietal or features. Maybe you want dog friendly or organic, whatever it is. And then add them <laughs> to your trip. You create a trip. And then we will map the most efficient route for you to go. So right now you can add them to your favorites. So in 2017, we're going to have that trip planning tool released. Wow. And I'm looking at some of the locations where wineries are listed. And I, I had to click on Ireland, of all places. Llewellyn's Orchard makes <laughs> Fumé Blanc and Cabernet Merlot. And uh, this is crazy. You've got a, a winery in Dublin, Ireland. Yeah. Pretty yeah, that cool. one always blows people away. <laughs> That's pretty neat. So um, how, many, yeah. how many members have heard of this? How many are, are people are using this uh, com so far? Oh, so we, we are officially like launched our platform just about six months ago because we waited so long. Because if I'm going to let you know, hey, I'm a winery guide, let me help you to navigate the wine world, I better have as much information as possible. Right. So we really wanted to deliver as much content and be as confident as possible before coming to market. So today we have over 10,000 wineries in the platform. We have uh, over 100,000 unique visitors on the site every month, and we are, it's been increasing on a daily basis since we launched. We have about 40% of our users come back and continue using the site. And we've been really, really pleased with, uh, again, how how appreciative the community has been for what we've created. This is really cool. Uh, it's great to see some of these labels that I've never heard of and visit wineries. That, uh, I was just in South Africa, so I'm checking out some of the wineries here, looking for some familiar names, and I see a couple. But when I was doing some research, I understand that you have a, a master sommelier working with you who uh, is a lovely lady who I had a chance to meet when she had a little wine bar in Tucson years ago. But now you've got her uh, on the team. Huh? I know Laura Williamson, master sommelier, yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. She's, Laura is awesome. She's one of the best, not just outside of the cabin and everything else, one of the best people that I know. She's just uh, an all-around fantastic lady. And how many people, um, obviously, you, you create the content and then approach these wineries. So how do you sort of vet this content? Is this, I mean, you must have some people really working hard to, to get, feel, you know, how would you know how to describe a, a place in Ireland if you've never been there? So we just, we curate the content from the winery's public sources, so from their website or their Facebook, so the consumer doesn't have to go to four different places to try to find the answer they're looking for. We pull it all into one place, and then we, we make sure it's accurate. by calling. We actually call every winery that you see on Kazakh to confirm 
the information's accurate, that ours are right. Because the last thing I want is for you to show up to the winery with your dog, thinking the dog friendly, and uh, <laughs> you have to sit in the car and you're bummed. Interesting. So I see so the we, search bar. If I plug in something that you don't have, does that go into some, some cache where you're going to go find it so next time I, you'll have it for me? Yes. Oh, good answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is cool. No matter how many we have, I mean, you know, Chris, you know the wine world. Yeah, it's changing all the time. As it is comprehensive, it is. And no matter how many I have on, there's always somebody that's going to say, oh, I didn't find this one I was looking for. I'm like, okay, it's in the queue, so no problem. It's a constant thing that we we pride ourselves on because we want to deliver that user experience and have that content that people are looking for. I like it. I'm speaking with Babak Motamidi, who is the uh, CEO and founder of Kazit.com, K-A-Z-Z-I-T, Kazit.com, where the wine grows. It's a new website, a new tool to uh, help plan your trips and sort of gain some information about uh, fantastic regions to visit and, of course, the wineries. Um, are you going to do this with just wineries, or do you see distilleries and breweries coming up on uh, some other day? We, we've thought about that and, and expanding to other areas. Or, you know, the wine world is so big and changing so fast. We want to make sure to really... you got to really own that. Own this and make it perfect, and then we can explore with credit into other areas. Right on. And, you know, these days, you know, whenever you're walking around in a new city, and I, I get to travel, fortunately, um, it seems to me that all the people are always looking down for some reason at their smartphones. And uh, <laughs> I trust you have anticipated that, and you have some applications to uh, to talk about. You can do this for Droid or Apple? Sure, of course. Yeah, so our site is fully mobile-friendly, and we also, that means it'll work just the same way as in your computer as it will on your tablet or your iPhone or your Samsung phone. And also we do have our Kazit app, which is available on both the App Store and the Google Play Store. And the same functionality that exists on the site exists on the app. So let's say you land in San Francisco for business, but you don't have time to make it out to wine country to visit a winery, but you know you're in the area, right? So you can use the Kazit app to find wine tastings, pairings, classes, events that you can participate in in the city while you're there. It's all in the palm of your hand. Wow. And uh, so you've got, how many, you said 10,000 wineries on here already? I think we're at 10,300 today. 10,300 <laughs> We need a counter. You need to have a little counter on the bottom here that says, we just added our 10,000. Oh, I, I, I got one in my office, Chris. Don't worry. Too funny. <laughs> oh, this is great. I'll watch it all. So um, you, you list, obviously, the wineries, but you also list events, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. So just like I said, so it's just another way. To, our whole mission is to connect the producer with the actively seeking consumer. So, you know, I, the wine world can be really, really intimidating, especially if, if you're new to it. And, and I was new to it, to be honest. Before I started Kazit, I found my way through wine because I have friends like Laura, a master stop, or Peter Kaspersky, my co-founder. So I had it somebody holding my hand the whole time. But if you don't have these types of relationships or friends, it can be really intimidating. So that's why you know, one of the things that we pride ourselves on with Kazit is that really it uh, mitigates that barrier to entry for people, so it's not that intimidating. You can find out where to go based on what you like, and you can start. You don't have to spend a lot to have a good time. And if you become a member or if you log in, does it it keeps all your information that you've done so you don't have to sort of research it? You have your own file, so to speak? Absolutely, yeah. That's the whole bookmark favorite section, and you can leave notes for yourself. You can leave comments for yourself and for others to share. You can follow other people as well. So let's say you read a review of a winery that I wrote, and you Check it out. Okay, this product seems to really like this winery. So you give it a shot, and then you like that winery. Then you can come back and say, you know what? I'm going to follow Bobak and his recommendations because I had a great time based on his comments. 
So it's a, there's a whole community aspect to it as well. I'm looking at it right now, and so you've got wineries, you have events, and you have a wine blog, and I see one called Psalm Enchanted Drinking and Rules Don't Rule and Climbing on the Banshee Wagon. Um, who, were, who was doing the blog posts? So when we first started out, Peter, again, my Peter co-founder, was uh, authoring most of our, all of our blogs. But as we were growing and growing pretty quickly, we had to he, – he's a great guy. We can only write so much. <laughs> so we actually <laughs> had a team of about 25 freelance writers that generated content for us. We were posting one, at least one blog article a day. Plus, in addition, we're adding about 30 to 40 new wineries to our website every day. Wow, so fun. I'm looking at some of the categories that you can browse. And just for the listeners, uh, you've got blind tasting, champagne, different varietals, um, traditions, wine pairing, uh, wine with age, uh, wine in the holidays, which makes total sense, and then sommeliers. Um, do you actually reach out to some of the professionals around in our sommelier community to, to uh, gain some traction in their world? We do. So we actually... We reach out to them and ask them. To, we're, so another thing on the horizon for 2017 is we have a, through Laura, we've put together a network of certified psalms, advanced and masters that will be generating and contributing content to us for to be on Kazit. So not only now, you can find your way through a region. Let's say the Rhone, uh, let's say it's a place domestic. Let's say Walla Walla, Washington. So you go to Walla Walla, you see all the wineries and you can filter. But what else can you do beyond that, Right. So this is why we have our network of Psalms generating content, and they're going to share how they like to go visit Walla Walla, where they like to stay, where they like to eat, what time of year they like to go, why the wine is the way it is, and how it that became to be because of the region. Non-wine things to do. So now not only can you find what you're looking for on Kazakh, but you can experience that region like a master does or an advanced Psalm does. Fantastic. This is really fun. I'm glad you reached out. It's Kazit.com, K-A-Z-Z-I-T, speaking with Babak Matamidi, who's the founder and CEO. So I understand you, uh, real quickly, do you have a favorite wine in Arizona? I mean, they're growing some, some juice down there, right? Yeah, they're doing, we actually, people it's, are always surprised that there's only anything desert and cactus, but we have, I think, over 86 wineries down here now. So fun. I'm a big fan of Eric. Oh, yeah, it's a lot. And it's, it's, some are in northern Arizona or Sedona area. Others are down south in Sonoida near the Mexico border. But I'm a big fan of Page Spring Cellars, Eric Glomsky. He's just a, he's a great winemaker, great guy. And he really pushes the limit in testing and trying and experimenting new things. And it's really fun always. You can find these on, on Kazit.com. Hey, bye back. Yes, Thanks can. so much. Sure. I'll be in Arizona next month. I'll reach out. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, buddy. Hey, folks, be right back on Happy Hour Radio. He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays, 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Hope you made a resolution to join me right here every Saturday night, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock on 570 KVI. And uh, you'll learn a lot. Have a good time. Hopefully, 
And uh, it is the new year. We've got lots going on. It means a new vintage. And when we think about new, uh, Washington's growing so quickly and rapidly, and there's new distilleries and breweries and, of course, wineries. But we have to pay homage to those folks who uh, who actually have uh, cleared the path for all of these young hot stars, as they like to be known as. But um, Shadow San Michel turns 50 this year. This is their 50th anniversary. And someone who's been around half that time is um, one of the cool guys, uh, one of the nicest guys in the business that I have the pleasure of knowing for many years. Uh, him and his wife, Vicki, uh, have a place out in Port Angeles, and it's it's a winery. Go figure. They're in the rain shadow, and uh, he's done 25 vintages. Well, he's on his 25th. 2017 will be the 25th vintage for Camaraderie Cellars, and I have uh, co-owner, founder, winemaker, and uh, I'm sure he's done some schlepping in his day. Don Corson, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you for being here, and actually, uh, 2016 was our 20th. 25th. Oh, it was? So okay. So we're celebrating our 25th year this whole darn year. That's it. I like it. Well, congratulations on that. And, you know, it, when you start out on that path, do you actually look past year two? <laughs> well, you, you know, I think every winemaker, at least every good winemaker, starts out with following a passion. And they don't look beyond anything except the next vintage, and on we go. And it's and <laughs> in some ways, as they say, it's good to keep your day job and uh, watch out for the business plan because that'll scare you to death. Yeah, the uh, let's see where where do we? It's all in red ink. What's the deal? <laughs> for the story years? Here. Uh, it is definitely a passion, and um, it, it is a fun passion. It's crazy to think if you. If you could be a biblical, uh, a, what do you call them? One of those biblical figures who has sixty wives and so many children. That's what being a winemaker is. You start out with one oh. vintage and one oh. one wine, one child, and next. Well, thing you, know, I, you know, I've thought about actually changing the uh, changing the name of the winery to Nahum Cellars because Nahum was one of the minor prophets, and I'm hoping someday to have a, a prophet out of this thing. But but, <laughs> well, minor, but I have all of least. these. I have all of these uh, children. Maybe not so much wives as Vicky will attest. <laughs> Well, the vintage. You were married to the vintage for the oh, year, and so there yes. you for you you bore some children together. And uh, well, tell me what the first year you started was in 1992. But actually, our first uh, uh, real vintage was in our garage. Like a whole lot of garages were there, and we were we actually bought our our first. 100 pounds of grapes from Jay Soloff and Chris Upchurch, oh. uh, who are the founders of, of course, DeLille. And and uh, sometimes when I see them, I remind them that we're bonded winery 185 and they're bonded winery 186. Too so, funny. Uh, but it is a funny thing. And uh, they were as passionate as we were. And, and uh, off they went into their direction. And so did we. Yeah, I had Greg Lowe on the show, and it's great. I've had Tom Hedges, uh, Brian Carter, yourself. It, to me, this is um, so fun because everyone has a story. And to, to get some of the experience that you have under your belt, 25 vintages, are you kidding me? You're one of the experts. Well, we, you know, we've, uh, we've all, you know, none of us, well, very few of us have gone to UC Davis, and certainly Washington University or Washington State wasn't what it is today. But uh, we're not dumb people. We, we get consulting when we need to and trial and error, and it's not like making a beer in 30 days. You've got, uh, you know, a year or two to figure out if it's going to be really good. So there were some exciting exciting things in the uh, in the very beginning. And you live in Port Angeles. We do. Yeah. Is this the, where you started? Well, it is and people keep 
asking, well, why are you there? And uh, it's because I had a good day job there. We <laughs> we had lived in we'd lived in Redmond, and we were going to start a little winery there. But there was a, a an employment change that happened, and so we ended up going to uh, to Port Angeles, where I was one of the executives in a timber company, and they let me get the winery going. And we started off very small with only two hundred cases, and and grew it up to we're about three thousand now. Oh, okay. So 1992 was the first vintage you bought. In 1987, you said you bought grapes from? In 81. I'm sorry, 81? 81, yeah. Wow. So you had almost a decade of, of practice. I did, and, and you know that's that's the thing. You, you start off with a hundred pounds, and then you get two hundred pounds, and then you, and so by eleven years, we were up to the better part of a ton. And I was the designated uh, winemaker, and I learned some pretty good things along the way. <laughs> it just sounds like rogue yeast and cleanliness, and well, you learn a lot of things. I'll just yeah, say secondary that. fermentations and all that. Oh wow. Well, this is a real treat. So you've actually had 35-plus years in, in vintages. Yes, and, you know, early on, Chris, the, uh, the, this was such an exciting time in, in the evolution of the, uh, of the wine industry. Uh, there were a lot of people just getting involved and a lot of folks that were planting more grapes. And, and uh, just to be a part of that was exciting. So I've known a lot of folks over the years. Interesting to think that uh, you were bonded in, what, 91 Bonded in 91, officially our okay. first vintage then was 92. To think mm-hmm. that there were 185 wineries still at that time. Well, I, you know, I don't know how many there were then. You know, I think... The bond, t- actually, well, because the yes, bond may but, have expired uh, it, or But in them. terms of the active wineries at yeah. that time, I think there were about 50. I believe and, so. I've got a poster that says 1984 and there's about 50 wineries. There you there. go. And, and so... Uh, it, well, you know, it, it it's changed so much now. Now there are over nine hundred, and <laughs> and times have changed, and uh, in so many different ways. Another record crop I heard in twenty sixteen. Yes, for and another. I've been waiting twenty five years for a normal harvest. I'll tell you that. A normal harvest, whatever that means. Speaking with Don Corson and his lovely wife Vicky, left her at home. I thought she was going to come out and give us some of that uh, wonderful. A uh, feminine voice on it. Oh well, she would love to have been here too, but she uh, right now is uh, is getting ready for us to get ready for our uh, for our wine club mailings, uh, and uh, so there's a lot of work that goes into that. Fantastic. What was the first wine you made? Cabernet Sauvignon, and it was a blend uh, from from uh, Fred Arts on. No, it's actually from uh, Larry Pearson on on Tap Teal, ta- on teal and Paul Shampoo. And it got and it got a gold uh, at the Enological Society of the Pacific Northwest, and and Antonori was the prim, uh, premier judge at that time. Oh wow, that was pretty cool. Was that in '93? That was uh, probably about ninety ninety four, something like that, somewhere in there. Excellent. Yeah. I think I was. Uh, did they have the big tasting at the Seattle Exhibition Center? Yes, I remember. Yeah, Jerry Bencaro. I used to work Mondo's Absolutely. World. Absolutely. Yeah, and then Jerry Warren involved. Uh, Jerry oh, Warren. Yeah, we're he still very me. good friends. Yeah. Right on. I wanted to talk to Jerry because obviously yeah. he, he was my mentor for the Seattle Wine Awards, and uh, we're gosh, we're getting old. Too well, hard. and you know he's uh, the head of the, uh, the the local convivium, I guess, of Slow Food too. So, yes. So he's one of the great people in our area. And Slow Wine Festival is yes. coming up this month too, January twenty sixth. Yes, the I know Million. it is. Yes. That's good. When I'll be there. Um, so your first one was Cabernet Sauvignon. It was a blend of two vineyards, or just you said two Arts vineyards. and Tap Deal. Yep. yep. So Red Mountain. Cap. Before it was Red Mountain. Uh, before it was Red Mountain. Yeah. Interesting. Do you have some bottles left from the? I I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> and and they're, they're that's pretty old stuff. But it's, it's amazing that it uh, that it's still hanging together. It's a little bit orange at this time, but it's hanging pretty good. Well, you know, it's they had. 
they've learned a lot more since about aspect and water and, and, and how we manage great world-class grapes. And, and when and, grapes are picked. And when grapes are picked. And uh, obviously, there's a, that land you had or the grapes that you had back in Red Mountain at that point, I mean, I want to know, what were they, a ton? Oh, my gosh. I don't know, maybe maybe five hundred a ton. Five hundred dollars a ton, somewhere time. in there. Yeah. yeah, and now Red Mountain is, commands. Oh, uh, about ten times that. Yeah, I was going to say, wow, yeah. it's it's really cool. Um, and I asked you as we talked, and as I wanted to celebrate some of our uh, our pioneers, if you will. I don't want to use that word as an old person, but someone who's actually been around, um, sort of chopping down the wilderness around this whole winemaking thing. Think of how many acres we had back in nineteen ninety one. Fifteen thousand, maybe ten, maybe. 10? maybe something like that and it was very very limited in the variety of grapes you know we were Riesling of course it's still very strong uh, Cabernet and we were beginning Chenin to Blanc experiment yeah a lot of Limburger at the time Limburger, but still a darn Simeon. good grape yeah but uh, we've grown a lot of the way and the way in which I sort of look at it as we as we you know have grown over the over the years is that each of these stars has risen and uh, it's, they're not falling stars. They're just going into this constellation of Washington sky. It's just, it, like and it, they're just, it's getting bigger and bigger, and the world is taking notice. This is true. This is true. And uh, I, I think Washington's got a lot to hang our hat on, even though um, there's a lot of misconceptions about our state, and you grow wine in Seattle. And, well, we make wine in Seattle, and we do grow some grapes here in the Puget Sound region. Do you have any grapes at your place? No, we've experimented a little bit because we're in a sort of a warm spot over there, but uh, we haven't been, uh, haven't been in the forefront of that. And you got some critters out there that like <laughs> kind of munching on some good grapes too. I imagine it could be a challenge. It could be. Well, um, I asked you to bring some of your older vintages because I thought it'd be great to sort of look back and taste some of the wines and how well you made them. And um, tell me some of the wines you brought today. Well, the ones that we're going to try out are the, get this, a Cabernet Saw from 2003. Now that we're moving into 17, my gosh, okay, I'm, I'm going to be excited to see how that is too. Uh, a Syrah, 2004, uh, from Clifton Hill uh, Vineyard uh, near the uh, on the Willuke. And then uh, Merlot, 2005, which is a blend from several different uh, vineyards. And I think all of these, as food wines, they do so well in ageability. Uh, if you don't make them for food, they ain't going to age very well, and you do wouldn't want them to begin with. I like that. And I'm excited. So when we come back from this break, I'm going to have Don pour some wines. We'll get these these lovely old gems aired out so we can taste them in this next segment. Speaking with Don Corson, the uh, founder, bottle washer, palate driver, uh, winemaker, punch-down guy, pugilist, I guess <laughs> it would be, and uh, and the man behind with his lovely wife, Vicky of Camarado Cellars. So stick around, folks. We'll be right back on 570 KVI. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Well, Happy New Year and Happy Hour Radio. We're one and the same. And uh, thanks for joining us on Saturday night right here in 570 KVI. I've got uh, one of our vaunted veteran winemakers here, uh, Don Corson of Camaraderie Cellars. We're talking about his 35 years in the biz, obviously the first uh, 10 or 11 in his garage. The, <laughs> go think. And being in a garage was kind of a bad thing, and now people are talking about the garagistas being the new cool uh, hipster, uh, so cool, it's secret and small and very expensive. 
<laughs> Don't you wish it was, the tables were turned back then? Oh, Lord, yeah. <laughs> well, they got a pretty good idea of what you're doing. And so do you. You said you made um, Cabernet Sauvignon from Red Mountain back in your first vintage in 1992. Two. And uh, it received some great acclaim, a gold medal at the Logical Society. It was with Society. Paul Shampoo's grapes, too. Paul Shampoo, okay, great. Uh, and uh, that was at Mercer Ranch at the time. Mercer Ranch at the time just flipped over to uh, Shampoo right yeah. after that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, and um, having so many vintages on your belt, I, I thought it would be great to try some of the older vintages of the wine. And you just finished harvest, which you said in 2016 was kind of a long, uh, drawn-out harvest for you, and everything is kind of resting now in barrel. Um, you make mostly reds, but you do a white or two, right? I do a, a, a white, uh, a pinot gris, and also a, uh, a rosé for, for summer enjoyment at the winery. Excellent. You had... Uh, what, you had that interesting, uh, it was a uh, Viognier Sauvignon oh, Semillon yes, or something? we did that, yeah. It's called Tronquet, Tronquet. Uh, which is to clink glasses in French. And yeah. that was, uh, yeah, we uh, sort of gave up on that one a few years ago <laughs> just because it was hard to make and, and couldn't make a whole lot of money on it. And we sort of f- focused on red wines. Okay, right on. Well, um, obviously I asked you to bring uh, some older ones, and we got to, I got to select the vintages. Well, you brought a, a variety of wines, mm-hmm. and I asked you to open up the 03 Cabernet, the 04 Syrah, and the 05 Merlot. thought it would be fun to, t- to talk about these vintages because I think they were very different. They were different, uh, very different. They were good vintages. Uh, uh, as we moved on into, as an example, when we went into 2006, uh, that was a cold vintage. Got- and, and we ended up... The, the lesson on that, though, Chris, is that even in that cooler vintage, you just have to be patient on those wines, and they'll turn into dead ringers for Bordeaux. Uh, and uh, so otherwise, we have some lovely, lovely, deep, rich fruit. We have uh, lots of fruit, and I couldn't wait to take a taste. And, you know, some people may think it's it's different for, or odd that we would try a Cabernet Sauvignon first, but I wanted to taste. And some people say taste the best wine first. Why wait till the end of the night to open up that special bottle? Start with it, obviously, because it takes some time for those wines to open up. Now, we've given these wines just about a minute or two in the glass, but with this kind of age, you don't need to have too much aeration because they're they're going to aerate as you drink them in the glass. Well, you know, I, I always have the... Uh, people ask me about Venturi's. Do you like Venturi's? And I say, well, they absolutely work. But then my comment is, do you want to chat with your wine or do you want a discussion with your wine? So I like bigger glasses that are lovely, even in their own aesthetic, mm-hmm. and be able to let them come on out during the meal and have this discussion rather than just a, a quick uh, a quick guzzle. <laughs> a kiss in the night or something like that. <laughs> um, so let's talk about 20, 2003. I remember it distinctly as one of the best summers ever in Seattle. And it, well, and you know, people always say, "Oh, if, from over here, oh, what? How this must be great for the grapes." And they forget Eastern Washington is mostly like that. So that's one of the benefits of where we are. I'm a geographer by background, and I, you know, I drive 5,200 miles a year going and getting those grapes, and so I get to see that up close and personal. So we have great growing conditions over there. And to, but that being said, it's not just the number of heat degree units; it's when they come, mm-hmm. and uh, and how you know. When do they start? Are there any kind of interruptions along the way? And 2003 was a lovely, even year, and we just got the best of everything, I think. 
And, uh, you know, if we, if we remember in the global uh, perspective, uh, the heat wave, which took, which really kind of f- triggered global warming theories at that time. Like, we talked about it, but that was the day when people were, were uh, perishing in France. Um, heat's a good thing for grapes. Obviously, Napa will tell you that it's good, but too much heat's a bad thing, right? Well, that's true, and it uh, depends on when it comes. But we've also learned over the years a whole lot more about uh, canopy management. We've learned about irrigation. We have the opportunity for deficit irrigation, which which is just giving the grapes enough water that they need for full maturation. So uh, it's working working out pretty well in terms of a great place to to, uh, to grow grapes. Our soils are always different from you know from other parts of the world as well. Do you keep notes about your vintage and your first per, per, uh, um, impression on that vintage? Like oh three, like okay, this is pretty cool. Went well. I think the wines will be great when. I have notes on on uh, every uh, every vintage that we've worked with, and you know I go back to what Alex Galitzin said a long, long time ago with Quill Cedar Creek. Three to five years after the vintage date's a good time to begin to drink Washington uh, red wines, and I think he's absolutely right. And when you know we don't really release our wines, let's see, it's nearly three years after after the harvest that we uh, that we begin to release. I've just taken a sip of the 2003 Cabernet Sauvignon. These grapes came from, are these Red Mountain and, and Red Mercer? Mountain and Shampoo. Horse Seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Great uh, pedigree. Um, I can't believe how much ripeness fruit is here. This is such uh, a young, youthful fruit-type wine. There's there's very little secondary or tertiary flavors coming through. It's just lovely. Um, uh, what do we always say? It's plum Plum and pit fruit is just absolutely gorgeous. The tannins have molded. Um, the oak regime was very modest. I couldn't afford a whole lot. And uh, so uh, it's. I'm not a believer in all new oak all the time. Some people really like to do that, and I congratulate them on that. But uh, even doing that, uh, you, you have to work hard not to uh, overpower the fruit with, uh, with too much oak. Well, this is very balanced. Um, this... this is this a blend or is this a hundred percent? It's a hundred percent. Wow, I love that about wines because blending is great, and but sometimes you know what? Just give me the steak. I don't want the sauce. I just want to taste how great that steak yeah. is by itself. And speaking of steak, I'm getting hungry. This is this would be really fabulous with uh, some tenderloin because it's got just enough tender, uh, some tannin there to yeah. soak it up. And, Still mm. has good acidity, and that's one of the things about our Washington grapes is we have good acidity, which always makes your mouth water, of course, but does very well for longevity and cuts through those great fats in the T-bone. Mm-hmm. And um, your your wines have been very modestly priced, I think, for the quality you put They them. have, and you know, we have this philosophy that the best things in life are meant to be shared. And uh, uh, when you can't afford your own wines, there's a problem with the philosophy. So we've uh, <laughs> we've tried to be very fair, and uh, also with our with our wine club, they get a really good deal when uh, when they get our wines. But I I know they uh, overpunch for their weight. All right, give us a website. Oh gosh, it's just camaraderiesellers.com. www. There it is. All right, and yep. that's uh, CMA. C-A-M-A, Rottery. Right, right. Comma Rottery. Comma Rottery. Um, wine number two is the 2004 Syrah. Right. Uh, 2004, I believe it was just a, it wasn't quite as warm as 03, so I think you had a little bit of rain, but uh, tell me what you remember. Well, the other aspect of this, of course, is that the vineyard is totally different. It's on the Waluke Slope, uh, just outside of Mattawa, where one of my favorite taco trucks is, and uh, <laughs> really important on those long trips. 
Um, so the soil and conditions, I think it's warmer all the way around there. It's a warm site. Clifton Hill is uh, is a delightful uh, vineyard next to the, uh, uh, as a part of the overall Millbrandt group. Um, it's aging very, very well. Um, yeah, it was a little bit, of, I, I would call it 2004 was a little harsher, if we will. Uh, so it, it what didn't have some of the finesse of, of three or five, as a matter of fact. But four, you know, looking at what this Syrah has done, it's, it's just done. It, and that's 100% vineyard designated. It's crazy to think that the fruit, the profile is still very ripe and fresh. Uh, this is, amazes me. Yep. And it's not over-sulfited, I can tell you that. It's not? It's just, it's just good fruit from the very beginning. We sort of work with a minimalist approach a very traditional uh, approach to uh, to winemaking, and I think that shows. I love it because it's a very balanced wine, and a lot of times you're, you're, you are tempted to add some acid to correct it for the uh, the now versus the later. Right, and uh, it's very expedient, you know, and, the, and we both know the statistic that 85% of all wines are bought and consumed in 90 minutes. Well... <laughs> Okay, that's really helpful for me. Uh, and do you make wine for that early consumption, uh, or do you make it to uh, to age a while? And my, I guess, go-to is to still make the wine that goes well with food. Then it's going to be somewhat approachable at the beginning if you like bigger wines, but it's going to age beautifully uh, over time. And that's a great, uh, a great, what do you call it, standard or, or motto to live by because you can always decant the wine. If you have a young wine, play with it, give it some, give it some air, shake it up, and then and you will actually expedite some of its evolution in the yeah, decanter. Yeah, you can certainly do that and have the. Uh, that's where that venturi might be there. But my golly, get, you don't have to be really wealthy to have a little cellar where you can just put some things away. And in our Weather around here, you don't have to go out and get the refrigerator if you don't want to. It's always lovely to do that. But uh, if you don't want basement. to, you can p- keep it in the basement. Uh, uh, I used I, I used chimney flue tiles for mine. Uh, those are the things that go up chimneys, and you can stack them up, and they work as a great heat sink. Works huh. fine. Right on. Well, as long as you're saving the wine, that's the toughest part. You need discipline. Hopefully, you've added discipline to your New Year's resolutions this year. And uh, if you're looking for great wines, uh, check out right in our backyard and take a long, beautiful drive to Port Angeles. Uh, CamaraderieCellars.com. You'll meet uh, Don and his lovely wife, Vicky. They have a tasting room. How many wines are you producing? Oh, my goodness. We have all five, Bordeaux, all five Bordeaux's. Uh, oh, these are really fun, too, that we've we've gone through. These are the new stars. New stars. Of- Wait. Hold that thought. Okay. We come back from this break. We're going to dive into one more wine and learn all about the wines of Camaraderie Cellars. A Northwest original. Lars Larson, live weekdays, noon to 3. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle, if you just sound Happy New Year, it's uh, time for round four, our fourth and final segment. Uh, I've got three glasses of wine and one fantastic guest who's been in the business for 35-plus years, Don Corson of Camaraderie Cellars. We just tried his 03 Cabernet Sauvignon at the 04 Clifton Vineyard, Hill. Clifton Hills Syrah, and now we're going to try an 05 Merlot. But before the break, I asked you, how many different wines are you making? Well, we're, uh, I suppose we're making too many in some ways, but, uh, and people ask me, well, what's your favorite wine? And I always say, it's, the, it's, 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 you know. What's your favorite uh, vintage? This yeah, vintage well, is the best right. vintage ever. Yeah, well, it, I'm, I don't only make wines that I'm passionate about. And that now includes all five Bordeaux, but also uh, Syrah, Tempranillo, Sangiovese, and Dolcetto. 
uh, in small amounts, but uh, they're treated very, very well, and they are new, beautiful stars in our constellation. Excellent. Well, and those it's great to see Washington have uh, such a um, adventurous uh, community and industry that they're willing to plant all this stuff, and then, heck, you're going to buy it and try it out. That's right. There's a lot of camaraderie in that. It's a lot of camaraderie. Touche. And 05 um, was a good year in Washington. Um, tell me about this vintage 05. 05 and the vintage. Now, this is a blend. It's 100% Merlot, but it's from several different vineyards. Uh, it's from uh, Red Mountain Fruit again. It's from uh, Chandler Reach, and it's from the Meat Family Vineyard. It's sort of like a big triangle there, but they are all very different warm site, middle site, and then a cooler site. And so we end up here with uh, uh, with grapes that were harvested early September to grapes that were harvested mid-October. So we end up with a lot of different, uh, I'll call them layers of fruit, but uh, with Merlot in Washington State, we just have to keep taking our hats off on this wine. It just, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous wine that is bigger and richer than, than our cabs are usually. Well, I can tell that it's always bigger and richer than uh, a lot of California Merlots and Cabernets, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, this is is drinking beautifully. The acid is a little more pronounced on this wine, and I'm not sure if that's vintage or just obviously when you're picking grapes throughout that process, you're probably going to have a little different acid levels, um, but it, it's showing beautifully. It has. This is starting to have some of that secondary and tertiary flavors. It gets a little more umami on my yeah, I think so. Uh, there's, we're not growing mushrooms on the uh, on the cork, but uh, but uh, yeah, it's of course Merlot always has that middle palate kind of thing too. That is richer. Uh, it goes through sort of the belly of the boat. I always say uh, it's in contrast to Cab Franc, which tends to be a little bit more high palate. But uh, yeah, this is a, a wine that's now you know what is it, twelve years old? Uh, you know, hello, that's pretty. It's doing pretty good, I think. <laughs> 12-year-olds, yes. Um, that's sort of about time they, they start understanding who they are and yeah. where they're going. Oh, my. You want to lock them up for a while. But. I guess so. Um, I don't have that uh, challenge. And um, tell me about some of the price points you have. Obviously, you, you, your current releases are the uh, 13s and 14s. The 13s and 14s. And really, yeah, our price points, We've again, we've tried to keep them reasonable. Uh, they're in the in the middle 20s. Uh, you can find our wine, some of our wines, at Total Wine and Spirits. Uh, but we have a lovely tasting room at, at called the Tasting Room in Post Alley, right next to uh, Kells and, and the Pink Door. And then at the winery, we have have a, a, a beautiful garden setting there that is perfect for picnicking when you come out to that part of the world. And you showed me when I came out to visit one time. You showed me a piece of jade. Is that right? Yes, I I happen to be a sculptor on the side, and I love jade. It's a it's a wonderful wonderful. Uh, uh, stone. It comes from British Columbia. It's indigenous here to the Pacific Northwest. Oh, my goodness, yes. And that's, that rock was huge. Yeah, 1,600 pounds. <laughs> I wasn't worried about anyone stealing it, but I, <laughs> it's hard to imagine when you think about jade, you always see it in a beautiful little shape. But um, you have a beautiful place, and uh, it's a nice ferry ride and a nice long drive. And there are a lot of other things to do in the area as well. I mean, there's the Hurricane Ridge. There's uh, You're an hour away from uh, from... Uh, the the rainforest proper and uh, you can go to Victoria. Great restaurants, beautiful new new restaurants. It's a great place to uh, to come visit. And we actually have um, what maybe fourteen fifteen wineries out there. Oh, I don't think it's quite that many, but we also have some breweries and some other things that are going on out there as well. When you include Port Townsend, which are yes. our wonderful neighbors down the way. Excellent. Well, the tasting room in Pike Place Market has been. I think that was been around. 
20 some years now. 14. No we, way. Yes. We I'm just, off today. We just had uh, our 14th anniversary there. We've wow. been there from the very beginning. And that's one of the finest. In fact, it's highly, highly recognized by everything from Sunset Magazine to whatever yeah. as being one of the finest tasting rooms on the West Coast, not just around here. And you've got something coming up. Um, obviously, this is the new year and we're all tightening the belts, not going to drink so much, going to get on the diet. What about wine and chocolate? You got something going on with that? We do. It's, and, and that's what our whole festival group is going to be doing uh, over uh, Valentine's Day. And uh, that's uh, we don't just have uh, uh, M&Ms. We have a lot of other really good <laughs> foods. And we always focus on the savory aspects of of, uh, of chocolate. So we'll be actually having a... Uh, a uh, a, uh, it's, a, it's a pulled pork with a chili ancho mm. uh, and uh, cacao rub that our son, who's a graduate of CIA, uh, the, the real CIA, invented, and it's really good. All in the family. Don Corson, CamaraderieSellers.com. Thanks so much for joining me in Happy Hour Radio. Thank you so much for inviting us. Some fantastic wines, folks. Got to check it out. Um, and check out Kazit if you want to... Uh, Learn more about the world of wine. There it is. Folks, thanks for listening. Tune in every Saturday night right here on 570 KVI. See you next week.